chain and rod, also known as the patriarchy. Feel free to smash us later. First up against the wall, exactly. Good, good. Um, hello. Very nice to have you all here. Very lovely. We all look very cosy, clustered together. Whereas here we are, all out on our own. But Rod's moving fur even further away to make me feel that bit more isolated. Um, Josh and Josh, greatly appreciate your talents. Hemi was a little disappointed. He did say, or one more after the last song, and got nothing. And then he asked for row, 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 boat. And there was no, 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 row, row, row your boat. So if we could add that to the song list for next week, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, so we're in a series on prayer. And um, it's already 10 past 11, so we're going to get moving very quickly and shorten our synopsis down to uh, the first six months, we realized that lots of us don't pray anymore. So we've been trying to work through that slowly. Uh, turns out it had a lot to do with the picture of God that we carry around. For those of us who grew up um, with something more familiar um, to Zeus um, than to Abba, um, a lot of us have felt greatly traumatized by some of our experiences with prayer, um, profoundly let down by the God that we thought was supposed to make everything better all the time. Uh, and we've had to spend some time as a community reworking through how we understand how God might work in the world. And using Jesus as the lens, um, good Christian theology, I think, would say that if God is like anything, then God is like Jesus. Um, and so we're stuck with that. Um, Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father, you see Abba. And so we've tried to um, view prayer through the lens of how Jesus worked in the world. We, um, we believe that God is all-loving, um, even if that means that he's not always all-powerful. Uh, and we are trying to hold that idea of the all-loving God, the community of God that we're invited into um, and keep that at the center of our prayer. This half of the series, we're looking at practices. And so we've had all kinds of people um, taking us through practices. We had Tamsin lead us through um, prayer with the body and the senses. Uh, we had um, Suze lead us in um, daily examine. And then what else have we had? Oh, Teze, Zara led us in some Teze, which was beautiful. And the, um, the great thing about this is that uh, for each practice, some of you will come alive for it, and others of you um, will say, why are we wasting our time? And that's a great expression of diversity and community, um, just as, you know, some of you will like some people here and really not care for the others, you know. Don't want to name names. Um, but as long as someone's liked by everyone, that's the important bit. Um, so here's your, um, week, uh, your dose of um, uncomfortably confident scripture that we're going to be um, discussing today. <laughs> um, oh, I did put it up. That's excellent. Um, James 5 verse 13 to 16. Yeah, because you're feeling a bit, yeah. I'm going to read it. Diversity of male voices. Um. <laughs> Are any of you in trouble? Then pray. Are any of you in good spirits? Then sing a hymn of praise. Are any of you sick? Then call for the elders of the church and have them pray over those who are sick and anoint them with oil in the name of Christ. And this prayer, offered in faith, will make them well and Christ will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayers of the just are powerful and effective. 
if you've ever been in a long-term relationship, you know, where the, the passion's waning, every now and again it's lovely. Not that that's ever been the case for me. Um, I'm just saying, if, if you. Um, some people are challenged by the passion of a, a couple that's just fallen in love, you know, PDA and all of that. And, you know, slightly disgusted, but still inspired. Um, scripture operates a little like that for us. <laughs> that these, this is the early days of the church. Um, passages like this often just come off so sickeningly optimistic and confident. Um, but they're good for us because they challenge us and they stretch us and push us. Those of us who have, you know, 2,000 years into the, this chapter of the church's journey and are all jaded and faded. Um, and cynical. This is good for us. The early church um, had such a sense of vulnerability in their shared spirituality, um, mostly because circumstantially they were vulnerable. They relied on each other for safety. They relied on each other for finances. They relied on each other for um, social support in a very stratified um, space. And this sense of vulnerability is incredibly challenging to us as a community. And um, with that vulnerability in the early church, we know from, you know, the, from the epistles that some of that vulnerability was abused by those who held, who held power. We know that um, some were left out. Um, and so it's no surprise really that we are, you know, who have been around for a while are a little cynical towards um, vulnerability within church spaces. But I also feel like this challenge to um, open ourselves to each other, um, that unless we take it, that we're missing out on something beautiful. Um, It's unsurprising in some ways that a couple of thousand years on that we are a little more closed than perhaps we once were. But um, but I would like us to be stretched um, in transparency and vulnerability. Prayer is one of these areas I come from a tradition where praying not just for one another but with one another um, is central to that tradition. And that has taken some incredibly beautiful and some incredibly ugly manifestations um, in my experiences. And some of you may have similar stories. Um, I shudder at some of the prayer practices I have taken a part of in years gone by. But for me... The option of just closing down and cutting off just isn't, it's just not satisfying. Um, because I've witnessed some, some of the most beautiful and vulnerable and incredible moments of being held by someone um, in times of prayer with someone else as well. And there's incredible grace and kindness in that. And I have this conversation, we've been talking about when we'll get to um, talking about prayer and then and lot of those with spirit. Um, at some stage in the life of our community, we just kind of felt like we were not ready yet. And But as we're being patient with our community, we feel like we're going to start opening up some of this. And um, we have this conversation all the time where sometimes people will say, man, I wish like we'd pray for one another because I really miss that. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Like we'd love to see more of it. And then that same person's like, yeah, but, um, and like, yeah, I know. <laughs> because... It's dangerous. Any vulnerability is dangerous. And for those of us who have experienced some trauma in prayer with one another, um, relive some of those moments as well. So there's this kind of 
as always, complicated fits run off. There's always this tendency of this, lo- this this longing, but also this hesitancy as well. And um, but we want to hold on to what is good and not throw too many babies out with the bathwater. I don't know how many babies is too many babies, but let's go with one. Um, let's try not to throw babies out with the bathwater. Let's not try not to um, ditch good things because of bad experiences. Let's try and learn from them. And that's what we're going to be trying to do today. Um, one of the key themes of Fitzroy North, hey Tish, is um, <laughs> patience. I thought that you were walking so slowly and quietly that I thought no one might notice. So we want everyone to feel welcome. Um, even those late and hungover. Um, See, word of knowledge. Let's not throw babies out. Um, patience, together, slowly listening to one another, each other's stories, um, slowly disentangling ourselves from toxic forms of spirituality and re-entangling, if that's a good word, um, ourselves with much more healthy and nourishing forms. Um, so we want to be a community that can pray with and for each other, but it's hard to know how to do this in helpful ways sometimes, especially for those of us who see God differently than we're used to. Um, but one of our dreams is that it would be a place where we'd be able to sit with one another, um, share what we feel like we need prayer for, and that would have patterns and processes and rituals, um, ways of being that um, hold each other in safe space. Um, yeah, someone was saying a while ago how lovely it was to be prayed for, but really they didn't think they knew how to do that for someone else. And so that's one of the things we'd like to kind of open up in the next few weeks. Um, as we do this, we want to hold on to the ways that we um, talked about, discussed God, the ways that God might work in the world and the kind of God that God is. Um, so kind of moving away from um, Zeusy um, forms of the power-hungry God and moving towards the gentle, um, the kind, the all-loving community that is God. Um, so the practice that we're going to do this morning is to talk about what we want to move towards in prayer with each other and what we want to move away from. But before we do that, we're going to open up some questions. Uh, so, yeah, so our, our first question is, and, you know, we're aware of the time, so we might not spend as long on this as we thought we might, but um, just to get us to think about these questions of why, why we would pray for other people, why we would pray with other people, and what we would hope for in praying for and with other people. Um, and as I guess as part of that, people might like to think about and perhaps even share uh, our best experiences of praying for and praying with someone and others praying with us. Um, perhaps some unhelpful ones as well. Um, I certainly have a, a standout experience of... Um, meeting with someone that had, had come to the community that I, I led up in Sydney and meeting with someone that had just started coming along and um, didn't really have a background that, that made them very familiar with the Bible. And so we just met weekly for a little while and I just talked him through, you know, how I saw the kind of over, the, the kind of arc of the Bible. Um, but as part of that process, we just chatted and I think on the third or fourth week, I asked him if he minded me praying for him. And um, 
just prayed for him for a little while. And when I, uh, when I stopped and opened my eyes, he was crying. And I asked him, you know, a bit anxious, so I said, oh, are you okay? Like, and he, he said, I can't, he just said, I can't believe that you remembered all the things that we talked about. It was as simple as that. He just um, couldn't believe that anything that he would say would actually be held onto by another person to the extent that they could recall it weeks later and, and bring it to God in prayer. Um, so I think there is, um, as you know, as we said before, incredible power of, of listening um, in prayer that can uh, have such a beautiful effect on people's lives. But there's also experiences of prayer that we've had where we've felt perhaps abused or um, corrected or um, or taught in prayer um, that has been um, not just troubling but humiliating or um, brutalizing. So we're aware of all of those dynamics at play. So just for a, just for a short time, are there any thoughts that people have, I guess particularly about that the, the first questions of why and hopefully thinking about what we've been looking at in the last few months as well, why we, we would pray with other people and what we would hope for in that. What I was, I was kind of thinking in terms of why you'd want to pray for other people. I think actually you've hit the nail on the head, Ruth, which is it's really just about, I feel like it's about saying to another person, I see you and you're not alone. Um, which if you kind of look at the ministry of Jesus, that's what he did all the time. He looked at people who were unseen and he saw them. Um, and everyone feels invisible and unseen at some point in their life. Um, certainly some people will live their whole lives feeling invisible and unseen. Um, and I, I think that if we're, if we're wanting to move towards like a, a wonderful and powerful way to pray, that's where it has to start from. Thanks, Kat. That's interesting, Kat. What I was thinking is really connected to that. Um, prayer is tricky and relationships with God, ideas about God are tricky. But what, I, what just kind of hit me then is that if we are – you know, talking about praying with and for each other, what sorts of things do we say? We express what we want for each other, that we want good things, we ask God to give good things, we um, we ask God for comfort for each other, we tell people that we that we see them, that we experience them, that we love them. That's really freaking confronting to do without that some kind of intermediary. Like, if we looked another person directly in the eye and said, I see you, I love you, I want good things for your life. That's really scary. And I think, like, sidestepping the question of God's listening and intervention and whatever, what if just praying for each other is a way of saying that without the the confrontingness of doing it face-to-face? Like, I don't know, that's an unformed thought that just occurred to me, but it's it's a way that we can connect with each other through, yeah, through God. Yeah, unformed thought, but. I, I totally agree, and I, 
I mean, we've talked before about um, finding ways back to prayer through things like the brain, just going, um, do things that are like meditation that are really good for your brain. Um, if you can't do it because you believe in God, do it because it's healthy, and then maybe you'll find a profound sense of connection to God through that. And I, that's certainly been my experience too, that I remember with, with Susie when we were first together and her not you know, identifying as a Christian at all, um, but us exploring that experience of prayer together and realizing exactly that, that um, by closing your eyes with another person and by addressing a third person in their presence about them, um, it is so powerful and it's something that um, that ordinary relationship without the presence of a third, even if that's an imaginary third, it, there are just things that you can't say unless you do that. Um, and the intimacy and the vulnerability that is allowed through talking to a third person in the presence of someone that you love, it's just, yeah, it is incredible. So I think, I think, I think it's just smart for us to bring everything together to to encourage prayer, just practical things about how our brain functions, practical things about psychology, practical things about how you connect. Yeah, and, and even just thinking about how we talk about God as the inviting community, about how if God is working in the world and if he's working in any particular way, this is just such a Trinitarian idea. That, that God as the inviting community who invites us into a space. And yeah, like even, yeah, like even, even if um, it's hard to kind of track any sense of um, productivity or, or results, the fact that two people have been drawn into loving relationship in that space, like that's got to be remarkable. Thanks, Chris. The theologian Catherine Keller likes to say that um, God is not at all interested in what we think of her, but in profoundly interested in what we think about and how we relate to everything else, um, to everyone else and to creation. Um, and I think that, yeah, that really fits with that idea. Um, I was just going to say, I find it interesting um, as the side of my brain, which is like 15, 16 year old Josh, that when we start talking about that, it's like, what, like, it, then God just becomes this non entity. And, and it, and like, that's, you know, silly. Like, what's the point of even bringing God into it? Or, um, but I think that framework comes from this um, very clear separation between what's spiritual and what's physical, what's supernatural, what's natural. And something that I've found really healthy for my sense of spirituality recently has been really integrating those ideas and not seeing such a clear divide between the physical and the, and the spiritual, the supernatural and the natural. Um, and in doing that, I find that I can resonate a lot more with those ideas of um, seeing God moving even if it's not this clear, like, you know, direct phone call, phone line to God and God then the phone line down to the other person you're praying with, but a much more of an integrated um, natural way of connecting and 
um, you know, becoming a better human being and um, helping another person become a better human being. Yeah. One of the things Matt and I have been talking about just recently is as parents praying for your children, what are you hoping for and feeling the respons- responsibility of sort of what theology or what framework we're shaping of their view of God. So I don't really have the answer to it, but it's just that realisation when you're praying for someone else, you are giving them a window of how you see God and what that forms. But also we've got to remember that God uses us as well to bring others to him and to bring others closer to him, like in prayer, you know. Yes, we do need to go to the next section. But thank you so much for those ideas. And it does really, um, I mean, we're already talking about, yeah, that's right, the next section, which is really that issue of um, yeah, what we should be moving towards in prayer and what we need to be moving away from. Um, so Pat, we'll start with the... Um, in, Let's be uncharacteristic and start with the positive. Uh, and look at what we should be moving towards. Um, and I think, you know, we've already said some some really incredibly important things about that, that thing of moving towards seeing people uh, in prayer, moving towards um, giving people a profound sense of, of not being alone. Are there other things? Just so it doesn't frighten you, the power of the technology we have in this place, Russell's going to be praying and they'll appear up there. So try not to be frightened by how advanced we are. You pray, someone hold Russell up with your hands in the air because if you let them down, someone might kill him. Oh, that's good. like to trust sitting with your back to the screen, isn't it? Yeah. Trust. That's all. About praying trust. Yeah, you can just call out words. That's fine too. I really like what Josh said about integrating the spiritual with the rest of life. Like it doesn't have to happen in isolation. It just has to happen you know, as part of everything else in life. Like just yeah, we do so much like to to create little dualities or binaries in our lives, and I think moving away from those in our prayer life is really helpful. I just think a sense of vulnerability, like both in um, being the person who asks for prayer and also being the one praying, I find them equally hard. Um, And there's a real sense of vulnerability there um, and a sense of offering yourself 
um, within within that trust and integrating everything, I think it's important that we move towards this idea of um, being comfortable sitting in uncertainty and knowing that sometimes in situations when we're praying with other people or for other people, we may not actually have a solution or the right words and that's okay. It's just about the journey and just being with that person, being with God. Yeah, that was the word that came to my mind too. And and how often offering solutions in prayer is actually a way of not seeing them. I had a friend who lost both of her parents in a helicopter crash. Um, and she said <laughs> her um, cliff notes from the experience of um, teaching people how to pray for people who have experienced traumatic situations is you're far better to say, I have no words, than to say, that's just like when I lost my dog that time. Um, I think for a lot of this to be able to happen, we have to cultivate and create safe spaces. Um, I think moving towards like humility and not being afraid of like running in prayer yeah just moving away oh no moving to, I'm, I'm gonna wait to the next one sorry because this is more of a moving away thing oh, okay moving on from that um one of my auditions was that the prayer gossip thing where it was um you know can i pray for you but just tell me all that's going on it's like actually I don't feel comfortable telling you about what's going on, but then you get that guilt of like, oh, they're offering to pray for me. So maybe, you know, consensual prayer going, actually, I'd rather you didn't pray for me, so I'll get someone else to. <laughs> didn't mean that to come out so awkwardly. Yes, you did. Um, I think for me, one of the most beautiful aspects of with someone is that there's this element of someone else is there helping you be present to the pain or whatever is going on in your heart that we can talk from to overcome God and all that stuff. To have someone there to be charity and be present and be kind of helping you open up Moving away from that structured way that we grew up with of how you should pray 
and in the blood of lamb and, you know, all that really unhelpful language. And just actually the thing that I've found really helpful is just talking. It's just words, whatever comes to my head, just saying it and just having, you know, an organic sort of this is this is how I'm feeling rather than, you know, having to have it structured in a way that you think God will hear it better. I think the flip side of that is um, having finding liturgies, finding structured prayer that is more life-giving um, because I think there is sometimes incredible power in, um, in it not having to be your words um, but sharing together with a, a liturgy that is really life-giving. Um, but I think that's, that's a challenge that so many of the words that we grew up with have been emptied of, of meaning and um, so finding new liturgies, finding new prayers, yeah. I guess for me that um, moving away from the liturgy of uh, calling, I think Jane mentioned this last week, um, I grew up without it and I had the liturgy of lots of sacrifices and lots of things. Um, and the second thing, um, I think there's a very fine line, I agree, with moving away from trying to do solutions and I think moving away from giving advice especially if you're in a, an intimate circle of friends or people that you meet with regularly, unless they ask you. Because there may be that point that you've had an experience and you are able to give them some wisdom from your experience. But I think that grows, and maybe you have found that, that grows as you spend more time with somebody in prayer. Um, and thirdly, I get very annoyed with God because he never seems to answer my prayers, but he always seems to answer my husband's. My husband never comes to church. <laughs> what is it? I think one thing with your second point, Daph, is because I, I experienced that with, with speaking as well, that sense of what right do I have to speak into someone's life? What right do I have to offer anything, even when invited? And part of what allows me to do it is that sense of, accountability and living together. But if I continue to live alongside someone whose life I've spoken into and I see that my words were actually death words, not life words, I have the chance to see that and to confess that, to, to seek to, to, you know, to, to step back into that and speak back into that and say, I was wrong, that, that was not helpful. Um, whereas, yeah, so I, I think that a lot of it is to do with again, vulnerability and intimacy and, and living alongside each other, that, that earns us the right to speak because we're going to see the fruit of our words. It's sort of a moving away or more moving to, but um, or moving through, but almost getting to the point where we can hope again and actually believe God is powerful and I feel like a lot of us started out in this sort of like I'll pray and God will act and he can and all of these like miracles will happen and then became a bit arrogant and often end up staying in that place and almost like I will pray for someone because I will I'm supporting them and all of those sorts of feelings but almost leaving out the actually we are part of God um, and so getting to that point where you've almost come through that and then can pray to someone powerful knowing that it's not a vending machine but a relationship but almost still 
managing to have that hope. Thanks, Teresa. So one of the things we talked about in the series on that is um, just broadening our, I guess, um, expectation about how God works in the world so that God can work through mighty acts, through mundane life, through minute, that if God is the sustainer of life at a subatomic level, that God is constantly at work, that God isn't from the outside stepping in, but God is always present and mediated through other people. So maybe would that just with our sense of expectation rather than kind of narrowing down our expectation to one particular way of God working, but that our hope rests in the fact that God is always present and always active and always working, but in a multitude of ways, some of which sometimes which we will be surprisingly and embarrassingly dramatic <laughs> and sometimes not, and that God is present in both of those things. I might, um, we might leave it there because aware of the time, but yeah, yeah, so we can carry this on on Facebook if you want to sort of share some some other thoughts. Um, yeah, so do, do feel free to, to share some more thoughts. Um, we might add some extra things as well along the way. Um, but what we want to do to finish now is to share some communion together. And uh, the, the thing I thought of today as I was thinking, well, not today, earlier this week, as I was thinking about communion was um, Jesus on the cross saying, Abba, forgive them for they they don't know what they're doing. Um, And I think it is both a powerful prayer for us uh, from from Jesus, a calling out for us to be forgiven because um, so often we, we do, with the best will in the world, do harm. To each other, and so it's a very generous prayer for us to reflect on as we as we share communion. Um, but it's it's also a wonderful guide for prayer um, to constantly remind yourself when you're praying for other people that that you really don't know what you're doing, um, that you you really are. Um, so profoundly limited in your knowledge of God, your knowledge of yourself, and your knowledge of the other. Um, I heard this great analogy this week of um, people are like the TARDIS in Doctor Who. You know, you can just you can walk around them in a second, um, but inside them is an entire universe that you will never, never explore in its entirety in a whole lifetime. Even the person that's that's closest to you and constantly reminding ourselves when we have another person in front of us that they are an infinite universe of complexity that we will never fully understand is just a wonderful way of guarding against kind of arrogance and um, misplaced certainty when we pray into their lives. Um, And an invitation to, to see, to continue to see people that we've known for 20, 30, 40 years, to continue to, to be surprised by them and find new things to, to pray for and to learn from. So let's reflect on those things, um, the fact that we don't know what we're doing as we, 
as we come forward and uh, crack the crackers, share the crackers and take a little cup of juice. Um, so come forward, take a little bit. Uh, we'll stand around and um, then I'll pray for us and we'll share communion together. Loving God, we don't know what we're doing, but you hold us in grace. You hold us in forgiveness and you create a space where despite not knowing what we're doing, we can continue to hope, we can continue to act, we can pursue love and justice because one thing that we do know is that that you died in solidarity with the least and the littlest and those that were excluded. And so we, we know this one thing, that we are to act in solidarity with the least and the littlest and the lost and the excluded and to do that out of love and to do that through connection with you. 